I need your help this morning. I need your guidance on a decision that I'm, that I'm facing on the home front. It's always good to come and just kind of take a vote and get everybody's, get everybody's feedback. I've been considering a purchase recently. I've been doing a little bit of research, and I've been thinking about buying an exercise machine to go in our, in our house. And so I've been doing some research. I've looked at a couple of stores. Mainly I've been looking for a very small little thing that you just put your feet on and kind of do steps with so I can work at the same time that I'm exercising. So I want to remain productive. Not saying that exercise is not being productive, but anyhow. So I'm trying to make this decision of whether I should buy this thing or not, and I'm kind of getting mixed signals. My wife says my body is great already, so she's like, you don't need to buy it. thing. And so that's one thing. But then at the same time, I'm on Twitter. I'm not sure if all of you are on Twitter or not, but on Twitter, all of a sudden, I got these random ads popping up now. This random ad pops up, exercise and fitness, with the exact thing that I've been looking at to purchase. So I'm not sure if that's guidance that I'm supposed to buy it, or that's just really smart advertisers that are taking, trying to take advantage of other voices in my mind at this time. So I, I don't know what to do. What do you think? I mean, do you think it's about 79 bucks? I think, is probably the cheapest we can find it. Now, here's the other thing that's really catching me. These exercise things are all kind of saying, hey, you should talk to a doctor before starting a new exercise regimen. And so I've kind of been thinking to myself, well, you know, it's $25 office copay to go see a doctor. So I probably shouldn't make any decision until I have a doctor's appointment so I don't have to spend another $25 for that office visit. So I got all these different factors to take into consideration. I just don't know what to do. So that, let's just take a vote this morning. Do you think I should buy the exercise machine or just ignore the Twitter ads? So let's just, how many of you think I should ignore the Twitter ads this morning? Well done. Thank you. Uh, how many of you think I should buy the exercise machine this morning? Okay. We'll take into consideration all the different opinions offered. I'm sure some of you have been in that type of situation before as well, right? You're faced with a decision. You're looking for guidance. You're saying, I don't know what to do. Every single day, all of us are constantly making decisions. It tells us on the internet, and since it's on the internet, it must be true, but it tells us on the internet that we're making 35,000 decisions every day. 35,000. I, I don't know if I believe that number, so let's cut it in half. 17,000 500. That's a bundle of decisions that we're making every single day. So, with all of those decisions, what do we do? And is God guiding us on all 17,000 decisions? This morning, we want to take a little bit of a tour, take a little bit of a broad view of Scripture to understand how does God guide us in this decision-making process that we face. I want to share with you a book that I've used over the years that I've found really helpful, a book called Guidance and the Voice of God. This book goes into great detail of what the Bible teaches as a whole. This morning, I'm just kind of summarizing and tweaking some of the teaching that they take from the Scripture as a whole. But Guidance and the Voice of God, if you really want to dig in to this subject matter. So decisions. If you think of decisions, we've got decisions broken down into three different camps in our life. The first thing we're making decisions about is morality, or what the Bible would describe as righteousness. In other words, decisions about your conduct or anything that would make you righteous 
or unrighteous, in other words, make you good or bad before God. So, you're faced with the decision, should I lie about this or not lie about this? That would fall under morality and righteousness. A second camp of decisions we have is what we kind of call this morning matters of judgment. There's not really a morality at issue, and there's nothing spoken in God's Word that says it has to be a yes or a no. So in this morning's Bible passage that we read, the people were faced with an issue of a matter of judgment. They were trying to decide if they should eat meat, not eat meat. We'll dig into that a little bit later. But there wasn't perfect clarity from the written Word of God. They had to make a choice on the spot, and God was saying different choices would be just fine. So when different choices are just fine, it's a matter of judgment. The third camp that we have is really the trivial, day-to-day. What am I going to eat for lunch? What am I going to have for my 3 o'clock break, a cold crunch bar or a Fifth Avenue bar? And so we all make those decisions every single day, a bunch of trivial little things. So we're breaking down decisions. We've got them in these three camps. I hope it's been clear from the last couple of weeks and hopefully clear overall that when we're making decisions about morality or righteousness, we would teach that God's Word is pretty clear, that what God says goes. So there's not a lot of discussion to have around morality and righteousness, that God has revealed in His Word what He desires and everything we need to be moral people. And so that's been made clear by God's Word. Trivial, hopefully last week you kind of noticed when we talked about this idea of acknowledge and go. You know, we don't don't just live with this magic eight ball that God wants to be involved in every little decision of where should I eat or what shoes should I wear today. You just got got to go. You have to have an overall acknowledgement that God is God, but you, gotta, you just got to go and do. So today we're really focused on the issue of matters of judgment, where there's multiple different choices, not clarity from God's Word. And so how does God guide us? According to the Bible, there's a variety of different ways that God guides us. The first is this, the Word of God. So the very first way that God guides us is through the written Word, because in the written Word, God has revealed Himself and his purposes. So whenever we're making a decision, a matter of judgment, we open the Bible and we try to understand God's overarching purposes. So the Bible is the first way, probably the most obvious way that most of us are familiar with, that God guides us. The second way that God guides us is through the presence of his Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us that all who call on the name of Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit residing with them. Now, this is kind of mysterious. This isn't kind of. This is mysterious. The Spirit of the living God comes and lives with each individual who is professing faith in Jesus Christ. And so today, if you call yourself a Christian, if you've been born again, you have the Spirit of the living God living with you. And so the Spirit then directs us and guides us. Now, here is where we have to be a little bit careful. The Holy Spirit was not given to us primarily to help us decide what to wear each morning. The Holy Spirit's main objective goes back to the first word of their title, holy. The Holy Spirit's main job is to make us holy. The Holy Spirit's primary concern is not where you live, but how you live. And so if you look at what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14 as he talks about what the Holy Spirit's going to do when he leaves, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit's going to come and remind you of the things that I have taught you. 
So not, not that the Holy Spirit's going to come and, and give you new words all the time, but the Holy Spirit's going to what? Remind you of the truths of Jesus Christ. It also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, it's talking about how God justifies us and then through the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. So the primary duty of the Holy Spirit is to make us holy. Is to, in other words, make us become like Jesus. And if you remember back to our first sermons in this series, God's overarching plan is to what? For us to be like Jesus. The primary responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to form us to be like Jesus. So you can begin to see the unity when you put things together. Now that does not mean that the Holy Spirit is silent on everything else. That's not what I'm saying. But the primary role of the Holy Spirit is around our character and conduct. The third way that God guides us is through circumstances. A story in the Bible that reflects this would be found in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul goes to an individual's house and proclaims Jesus there and then baptizes the whole house. Well, the question is, how did Paul end up at this house? If you read the story in Acts 16, Paul doesn't go to this house because he was told by some whisper of God or some inner working spirit. He simply ended up at this house because the owner of this house was the guard at the jail he was staying at. So it was a matter of circumstance that the jailer was someone that Paul knew, so that's where he ended up. Now, you could argue that God put the jailer there so that Paul would end up at the jailer's house. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, it talks to us about how for God's people, God works all things. So there's this matter of mystery of how God can use circumstances, any and every circumstance, to guide us. Now, we have to be careful here. Some of us use a lot of Christianese language like, well, God closed that door. I put my house up for sale for 28 days and there wasn't a sale pending sign, so, so God closed that door. I wasn't supposed to sell my house. Well, did God close that door? Maybe, maybe not. We can't really say anything with certainty in that situation. God could, but it doesn't necessarily mean that God always does. So again, it's this area of mystery and this area of discernment. Well, one thing we do know, God can and will use circumstance to guide us. We just have to be very discerning. So God's Word, the Holy Spirit, circumstance. The next way that God uses that is probably the most uncomfortable for all of us is the supernatural. Now, this is a little bit confusing because in all of the areas, actually, the supernatural is involved. But when I say supernatural here this morning, I'm really talking about the idea of visions or dreams or a special word that you would receive directly from God. And so this morning, we read from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9, the story of, of an individual receiving a vision from God to go and do something. So God works through the supernatural, and basically tells a person exactly what to do. Now, does that mean that God is going to supernaturally work with all of us all of the time? No. So in regards to the supernatural, it can happen, but it's not necessarily an expectation to happen. Here's what I would encourage you to think about in the supernatural. If you look at the Bible and you read in each instance where God supernaturally works, it's really through a big event. So, for example, the Holy Spirit tells Paul to go to this town 
And as a result of going to that town, the church spreads to a new area. God speaks to Moses through a burning bush. Well, it's a big deal what happens as a result of that. As a result of that, what happens? A whole nation is freed from slavery and a people group is is established and a promised land is given. So when we see God work in the supernatural way, it's big stuff. That doesn't mean God's not going to give you a vision about something small in your life, but I want to caution us that at least the testimony and evidence we have in the Bible is that it was not sought after at those moments. Moses didn't walk around going, okay, God, I need you to speak through this bush right now. God just spoke through that bush. The individual in Acts chapter 9 this morning was not saying, God, I need a vision. No, God just came in a vision. And so the evidence and the testimony of Scripture is that when God works supernaturally like that, it's usually not without us asking. It's actually with God initiating. But God does guide supernaturally. The the final way that God guides is through the giving of wisdom. So in James chapter 1, verse 6, God says to us, Hey, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask for it. The book of Proverbs, chapter 1, 2, and 3, is all about this idea of pursue wisdom. Ask God for guidance on how to live. And then in James 1, it's promised that you're going to receive wisdom. And so what is wisdom? Wisdom can be defined very simply as the ability to apply God's truth in a unique circumstance. So knowledge, I can have knowledge that says, God says, do not lie. So I got that command. That's a truth. Wisdom is the ability to apply that command in a specific circumstance. So how to apply it at work or in the family or or whatever. So when we ask God for wisdom, what we're really asking for is, God, help me live out your purposes in this specific situation. Wise people are people that are able to take broad truths, principles, and apply them in everyday life. So I don't, now I'm not trying to offend anyone or, or don't go to any colleges and say this to any professors or seminaries that I said this, okay? But a lot of times, you get to a college campus or a seminary, you've got knowledgeable people, but not necessarily wise people. They know a lot of books. They know a lot of stuff. But you've got to be able to take that stuff and put it into action. It's vastly different talking about the theory of change in a classroom and applying the theory of change to your tire business. It's different. But wisdom is the ability to take that knowledge and apply it in your specific circumstance. Now, here's the really cool thing. We've looked at these five different areas of how God guides us. Circumstance, we said God can work in that way. Supernatural, we said God can work in that way. does not always work in that way. But this one, wisdom, guess what? God's Word tells us in James 1, you ask for it, you got it. So here is the guarantee spot. That if you ask for wisdom in faith in Jesus Christ, you have it. You've got the ability to apply something in that unique circumstance. So that's how God guides us, is those kind of five overarching broad areas. So as you're making decisions, it's not that you need to go through those five things specifically, 
So we're going to talk in a moment here about maybe the first thing you just say, ask for wisdom. And then you can watch your circumstances. You can be attentive if that God is speaking through a supernatural, unique way. And obviously, we're always saturated in the Word of God and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning, though, when we think about decisions, I want to lay before us a broad vision that God gives us in His Word from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that we looked at. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we've got a unique situation. The people who are receiving this letter have been dealing with a difficult situation due to their cultural heritage and their religious heritage. They had specific rules about what type of meat they could eat. So in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says to them, hey, now I'm going to address this issue of eating meat sacrificed to idols. So what we're looking at this morning is kind of the end of that portion of the letter where Paul's kind of wrapping up all of his thoughts about this concept of eating meat sacrificed to idols. And in doing that, Paul lays out for you and I this truth to live by. And so he gives us an overarching vision as he finishes in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In other words, Paul is saying this. You need to honor God with whatever decision you make. To glorify something is to show the greatness of it. So, if if, if I want to glorify a singer, what do I do? I talk about how great that singer is. I listen to that singer. I try to share about that singer to other people because that singer is so great and majestic. So, to glorify God is to acknowledge the greatness of God and then want to put into practice the principles and the truths of God. And to say, God, I want to honor you with whatever I'm going to decide right here. Now, in the midst of that, the Apostle Paul makes a very poignant argument about how we glorify God. So in 1 Corinthians 10, if you still have your Bible open there or open back up to 1 Corinthians 10, there's a specific item about glorifying God that he dwells upon. And I don't know about you, but it kind of rubs me the wrong way, depending on the mood that I'm in. 1 Corinthians 10, so he's talking about, hey, this is how you make the decision. Look with me, if you would, going down into verse 28 through 30. He says, but if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. So, this is the situation. You're at supper, and the person says to you, hey, that was sacrificed earlier today to this idol over here. God says, hey, then don't eat it. But notice why. Notice the why. Verse 28, for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. This is critical. God is saying, don't eat the meat because the meat is bad. He's saying, don't eat the meat because it's going to be spiritually harmful to the individual who gave it to you. Because the individual who gave it to you thinks they're doing it in the honor of a God who does not exist. And so you don't want to give affirmation to that. So the issue is not that the meat's good or bad. He said earlier on there about how the earth is the fullness of the Lord's. Sure, go ahead and eat it. But don't eat it, what? If it's going to harm someone else. So to glorify God, guess what the number one thing is that we have to have at the top of our mind? the well-being of others. If I'm seeking to glorify God, what's at the top of my mind is, 
how does this affect the well-being of others? So if I'm making a decision, one of the first things I'm asking myself, does this benefit someone else or does this cause hardship for someone else? It's not about you. It's not about me. Guess what? It's about someone else. Now, let's look down a little further here. What's it ultimately about? Verse 32 and verse 33. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. In other words, seek out the spiritual best interest of other people, ultimately, so they can come to know Jesus Christ. So God's saying here, if you want to glorify God, take into consideration the eternal well-being of other people. That's the ultimate issue at play. So you want to be careful that you don't affirm or defirm things that could be harmful to someone else. We're making decisions. We're making decisions. God's got one overarching vision for us, that we would do it to the honor of his name. And look at this. This is eating or drinking, stuff that you and I just, that's minimal, right? I don't even have a second thought when I'm eating or drinking. But God wants that minimal thing done to his honor. That doesn't mean I have to fret over it and wonder what it is, but I just need to do it with a thankful heart and over the overarching purpose of honoring God. So if that's the overarching vision of God, that God wants us to honor him in all the decisions we make, let's get really practical. How do we make a decision then? So I want to walk you through and give you maybe some practical steps to take. The first is this, decision-making 101. Am I in a God-honoring position? So I'm getting ready to make a judgment decision. The first thing we need to do is ask ourselves this. What's my motives? What's driving me? Is what's driving me my personal comfort? Is what's driving me a personal greed? Now, most of us don't spend time reflecting upon our interior motives because we don't want to. But it's healthy to just take a moment and ask, okay, am I in a God-honoring position? Am I saying, God, I don't care how this affects my checkbook. I don't care how this affects my personal safety and comfort. I want this to affect your kingdom. So am I in a God-honoring position? Then I'm just going to simply ask. So I'm going to examine my heart, and then I'm going to ask God. I'm going to say, God, I need wisdom right now on how to direct my family in decision X or decision Y. Simple as that. God, I ask for wisdom. And then after I ask, I'm going to do this. I'm going to reflect what I'm thinking and share it with another follower of Jesus Christ. Most of us skip right past this step. But sin is so deceitful. Our hearts are so deceitful. Sin has wrapped our whole being. This is why it's so important to get outside perspective. So after you have kind of you think this is the wisdom that you're going to move forward with, I encourage you to just go to someone who you know to also be mature and wise and say, hey, this is what I'm leaning towards. Do you have any immediate feedback right away? Any thoughts? Allow someone else to take a look so you got a second set of eyes on it. Rarely, if ever, I'm a, I'd have to look, really search the Bible on this. Would God do something that would not be affirmed by another one of his people? Let me say that again. Rarely would God do something that would not be affirmed 
by others of his people. God doesn't work in this way of where he's making it clear to one person and confusing everybody else. So reflect on what you're thinking and share that with someone else. And then finally, go. After you've reflected and shared, you don't need to spend four days in eight-hour meetings talking about it. You need to go. Last week we talked about it. Acknowledge and go. So this week we've really fleshed out the acknowledge part. When I acknowledge, I'm going to discern my inner heart. I'm going to ask, and I'm going to reflect and share, and then I'm going to go. Decision-making is to be done to the glory of God. Everything I decide, I should have a heart's desire to bring honor to God in everything. So how about you today? What big decisions are you facing in your family and at work? Have you asked God for wisdom? Have you reflected upon what you're thinking and shared it with someone else? And are you going to step forward and go? All done to the glory of God. There's an elephant in the room this morning, obviously. Our church faces the biggest decision that we've ever had since we've existed tonight. We haven't talked about it during Sunday morning service the last four weeks. Made that promise. We haven't done it. There's one word here for us this morning, though, from God's Word. And that's this. Tonight, when we gather together to vote, it's important that all of us, no matter if you're voting yes or voting no, all of us can say, I will vote blank to honor God because... I will vote blank to honor God because. If you have any level of respect for me at all as your pastor, I have one personal favor to ask of you. That today, you would be able to complete that sentence or you would abstain from voting. You would just write on the piece of paper, abstain. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Actually, that's not a pastoral favor I'm asking from you this morning. If God's word wants us to honor him in what we drink and what we eat, how much more does God want us to honor him in how we conduct and handle church business? Can you complete that sentence? I will vote blank to honor God because. Let me make this clear. You could make an argument either way that you can glorify God with a vote on either side. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Make sure you can articulate the because. And make sure the because is honoring to God. Because Pastor Rich wants it is not honoring to God. Because it makes you comfortable is not honoring to God. Because it's easy is not honoring to God. What's honoring to God is when we take into the consideration the good of others. So here's how we have to discern this. What allows us, puts us in the best position for the good of other people. To help other people come to know Jesus and to help other people grow in their knowledge of Jesus. So I'm writing things out for you here. I'm, I'm helping you. I want to help you discern and walk through this. And so I want you to be able to make the argument. I believe we should stay Lutheran because it will help us 
because it guarantees da 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 That's a good argument. Make that argument and step forward and vote boldly. Or you should vote, I vote yes, we should leave Lutheranism because it's going to allow us to do X, Y, and Z. Be bold and make that argument and vote that way. Bottom line, are you voting to the honor of God? That's what it comes down to. So, are you going to ask? Are you going to ask God for wisdom? Are you going to reflect and share? And then are you going to go to the honor of God? How do we do this on a day-to-day basis? How, how do we continually make decisions every single day when we're making hundreds and thousands of decisions every day? It's impossible to have a little formula you work through every day. That's why you don't have a formula. You're a person who's saturated in the presence, the greatness, the compassion, and the authority of God. Because when you're saturated in something, guess what happens? Everything you do is affected by what you're saturated in. So last week, I asked you to leave thinking about yourself as an adult child. This week, I want you to leave thinking of yourself as a barbecue rib in a smoker. Because you put a barbecue rib in a smoker, what happens? You can't take the smoke out of the rib. And so every bite you take, every smell you sniff, every smell you sniff, what? There's going to be smoke because it's saturated in smoke. For you and I to be people who live to the glory of God, we have to be saturated in the glory of God. What that means is, is that the compassion of God, the authority of God, the love of God is just saturated in my heart and mind from reading the Word of God. And then guess what? When I'm making decisions, it just flows naturally because that's what I'm saturated in. So are you a barbecue rib? Have you sat in the smoker? Because when you sit in the smoker of God's Word, you're saturated with the glory of God, which is going to allow you to make decisions to the glory of God. I'm thankful this morning. I'm independent, so this probably makes me even more thankful. I'm thankful that God hasn't created us to be robots. That God created unique personalities. That God created unique individuals to display His glory and His greatness. I'm happy this morning that God puts us in this position where what? We have to make decisions that reflect His glory. And so you today, as a unique individual created in the image of God, will you do what you were created to do? Make decisions that bring glory to God. Let us pray. Gracious and everlasting Creator, we acknowledge this morning once again that we are not our own, but that we belong to You. And so we ask now that Your Holy Spirit would continue to reside with us, bringing about wisdom, bringing about words, bringing about supernatural visions for decisions in our lives. So we ask today, O Lord, that You would capture our minds with Your glory, that You would saturate our lives with Your greatness. Give us a hunger for you, God, above all else. We ask God now. We ask humbly in the name of Jesus.
that you would be honored in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.